It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Bengals post-game podcast. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports columnist and editor with Rick Brewing. As we look back at the Bengals' ugly 36-10 loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday, a game that uh, coming out of the bye we thought was going to be a litmus test, and um, either it wasn't because of injury or it was because the offense struggled or it wasn't because um, Pittsburgh's just that much better. I I I, I know it sounds easy to go, yeah, the Bengals suck, and I, that's always the fair assumption when they lose like this. I, I think there's a lot of layers to this, Rick. I really do, and you can probably disagree with it, but I, I do think there's more layers to it than just that yeah, same old Bengals. Oh, I think there are fewer layers than a lot of people would have liked to have believed lead, leading into this game, and we talked about it and did our uh, pick them during our normal weekly show earlier in the week. I said, look, I mean, I, the Bengals just are not nearly as talented as the the Steelers, just like they aren't nearly as talented as the Ravens, and that'll show up. It's not like playing the Titans, and they have gotten better since the beginning of the year because at the beginning of the year, you know, I don't think they're beating the Titans in a, in a close game. I don't think they're beating the Jaguars. You know, they, they figured some things out here as they've gone on a little bit, and Joe Burrow has gotten more comfortable more than anything, but they are still just – they have so many gaping holes. I mean, when you look at that defense, especially the skeleton crew that they ran out there today, I don't know how many – NFL starting caliber players are out there. And I definitely don't know if they have any good ones. I mean, Jesse Bates, maybe. Yeah. Jesse Bates, for sure. I mean, Jesse Bates is going to be in the pro bowl this year. There's no question about that. Now he yeah, should have had the, he should have the interception for sure. And, we'll and, all, and I think and, and he'll agree with that, but still, you know, you're right. I mean, that, and that, I think that's a big part of it. You know, William Jackson today needed to play like his contract was on the line because he was the real true potential shutdown corner to where if he could have done some of that, you can roll people the other way. And he was awful. I mean, it, I can make an excuse for Tony Brown. I can make an excuse for whatever. I, I, don't even, I can't remember his name, and I've written it now five times. Whoever number 37 was, the practice squad guy. I can make an excuse for those guys. They're, they're not NFL caliber players. I'm still trying um, to figure out who the hell Tony Brown is. At first, I thought it might have been one of Mike Brown's relatives with the nepotism in this town. I found out good call. later on, I don't think he is related to him. As it nah, turns out. That's probably a good point. He probably yeah. doesn't look the part, I will tell you that. But um, yeah, I mean, Tony Brown had taken one defensive snap all year. You know why? For a good reason. You saw it today. Those guys just can't play. But when you're looking at litmus tests, I wanted to see the Bengals against Big Ben because I want to see where they stood. But now I kind of want to see, all right, what are you at when I get Mackenzie Alexander and Darius Phillips and maybe Geno healthy and engaged? And I don't know where that's going to go. I don't know if that's a conversation for tonight or for the podcast midweek when we get a chance to pepper Zach again about his situation. Um so, look, Pittsburgh is clearly better. Baltimore is clearly better. I think we knew that, but I still don't know if I know if the Bengals have made progress or not because I just – I'm watching that defense and going, there's a bunch of dudes that shouldn't be on the field. Now, offensively, you could argue that, that listen, Joe Burrow had his full complement of pieces. I thought Quentin Spade played pretty good at right tackle. I thought Adenogy played pretty good at left guard. And you still only scored 10 points, and you still couldn't run the ball, and Joe still got sacked four times. But I just, I don't know if this was the test I was hoping it would be. And so I guess part of me still is kind of hanging out there going, where is this team? I never thought it was good enough to beat the Steelers. I didn't. But I told you, it needed to look better than the train wreck at Baltimore. And even after watching the train wreck today, I don't even know if that's a fair assessment that, that this is still the same old, same old. I don't. 
Well, I, I think there were some improvements from the Baltimore game, especially if you go to the first half. And I think that's, you know, everyone's talking about the second half after the game, especially because Joe Burrow in the postgame uh, press conference via Zoom said that he was awful. And I mean, you can agree with that. He was pretty bad. But at that point, I don't know that it really mattered a whole lot. To me, the first is where the defense held up surprisingly well, especially for those first few several few to several right. drives of the right. Steelers. And the offense just couldn't generate anything, anything like nothing. not even a first down. And so I guess my question for you there is what what did you see? I mean, was it a terrible game plan? Was it Joe Burrow freaked out a little bit early and struggled with the wind too much? Was it the wide receivers just aren't getting open or is it the uh, proverbial all of the above? I don't know about all of the above. I, I thought some of it, and I thought Zach took a little blame for this. I think he's right. I thought the play calling was awful. I mean, um, I saw you tweet something out. It was interesting. And you said, if the kid likes the five wides, let's keep rolling with it. And there's a part of me that agreed with that. There's a part of me also that thought you need to run the ball some. Let, let's do something different than going off left guard, left tackle, where they just own you in the front seven. How about a jet sweep, a fly sweep? And I know Pittsburgh tried it and the Bengals stuffed it up their ass and they really couldn't <laughs> run that. But but why can't you do something different? Why can't why do you it have to be off left guard off? I mean, it just was a it felt like a very staid um, game plan for the most part. It just it didn't have much imagination to it as usual. And so they kept getting in terrible down in distances, third and five, third and seven, third and eight, third and nine, third and twelve. You ain't converting against that defense. You're just not good enough. And some of it was Joe missed some throws. He's, you know, the one on the sideline that Zach Taylor challenged in the second half, the one where uh, Tyler Boyd made a diving catch. Joe said he made a terrible throw. I didn't think yeah, it was he awful. sailed it. He sailed yeah. it, but it could have it could have been better, but it wasn't awful. No, and and the, but there was one um, early in the third quarter, a double move where um, he missed T. Higgins on a double move and missed it. So some of it was Joe, but some of it I think Joe too. I just don't think he's ready to face that kind of constant pressure and having to make a play every single play against a defense that's going to make you pay and hurt you. Well, and I don't know that any rookie quarterback is, especially what you're no, facing right. in the second half where it's yes, like agreed. they're just teeing off. And and really, Pittsburgh brought much less pressure than like the Ravens did. Agreed. They were, they were con- looked like they were trying to disguise things more and drop people back with some zone coverages and, and try to confuse them, maybe get some interceptions. I actually... so. Here's the weird thing, and I tweeted about this too. When I was watching the first half, the offense was awful. They couldn't move the ball at all. But I thought we saw a evolution of, of Joe Burrow or some progress from Joe Burrow, at least from the Ravens game, where they started showing him looks pre-snap, and he had the confidence at the line to recognize it, check to something else. And most of the times when he did that, it was a successful play and and he knew what was about to happen. He saw pressure coming from a certain side. He called, you know, a run play the other way, or he called a quick pass the other way and he got the ball out of his hands. And I thought he did a good job of helping the offensive line out because he, he knew what was coming and, and they were working together a little bit better. You mentioned the offensive line play. I agree. I thought, you know, uh, Quentin Spain was really good at right tackle. I thought a huge improvement over what they normally get with Bobby Hart, but then you had Alex Redman next to him. Who's, had kind of a rough day and he had a really and, rough day yeah. and in the key moments where they had some opportunities in the first half to do something he was kind of the issue where he let up the the sack and and some of that you maybe could put on joe burrow as well but um i guess I, another question i would have for you would be how damaging is an offensive performance like this to zach taylor and him keeping his job overall and i i mean i know it's not going to be a an immediate thing the Bengals aren't firing a midseason or anything like that but to me, this is the type of thing where 
the Bengals weren't going to win this game, and that is what it is. But what Zach Taylor has to prove, in my opinion, is that he's the right guy, the guy that you can trust with Joe Burrow's rookie contract and developing Joe Burrow. And today you saw them against a good defense where they couldn't move the ball at all. They went 0 for 13 on third down, which just insanely bad. It's impossible. You came out with a flat, unimaginative game plan, and then late in the game, you made the terrible decision. I don't care what Joe Burrow says about, you know, he's not a quitter and whatever else. You left him in the game to get beat up on after he had already been hit and was limping around. People can say whatever they want about that. To me, that's just a stupid move from an investment standpoint and a business standpoint. If you're Zach Taylor and you're trying to keep your job, to me, that would be a pretty damaging day in terms of his overall resume and his case to keep his job long term. What what would you say to that? Um, I'd say I got to see the next four games against teams that you should be able to compete against. Um, Like I said, you had no business competing today. No, and and look, Skinny, I agree. This isn't the the game that makes the decision. He's obviously going to get to play out the season. But do you think this is a damaging game, or do you think it just doesn't matter because the Steelers are that much better? It was going to be a blowout regardless. See, I didn't think it was going to be a blowout regardless, and I I guess I got fooled a little bit. But I, I think in retrospect, after you watched it with your own eyes, Pittsburgh's just significantly better. But... When I want, when I talk progress, I want to see, and we've seen. I mean, look, hey, he, this whole offense bounced back after Baltimore, put points on the board against Cleveland, put points on the board against Tennessee, two teams that um, they're still in the very much in the playoff hunt. So it wasn't like they put them on the board against two one and eight teams, right? I, I think honestly, I think at the, I'm at the stage right now of looking at this team and going, you're not even close to Pittsburgh and Baltimore. Let's just put them to the side. But you've competed against some other pretty good playoff caliber teams and. Won a, won a game in that regard and played a couple of close. So the next four to me, let, let me see what you got. Let, let me see if you've moved forward with this. Um, yeah, as for keeping Burrow in, I, I get the angst. Um, but I, I, I said this on the, on the Sports Authority on Local 12 on Sunday night. I, I can remember a game against Cleveland back in the, the mid to late 2000s where Marvin Lewis left Chad Ochocinco, Chad Johnson, whatever you want to call him, goofy number 85, left him in the game. And a safety from, uh, from Cleveland just blew him up on a slant and the whole conversation was what are you doing leaving and I was one of those two and I'm with it what are you leaving in the game and it was you you, you finish what you start that's just a, Rick right or not that's a belief in the league it's not a Bengals belief that's a complete belief in this league that you finish what you start there are some exceptions to the rule and maybe today should have been one of those um it just, I, I do find it weird that he leaves Joe Burrow in to hand off to Travion Williams. What's the point of that? I mean, at that point, I could go do that. That 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 part's silly to me. I That's mean, the thing. You you have waved the white flag. It's not like you're getting coverages from the Steelers or things from the Steelers that are like them in a competitive game. They're basically just saying like, okay, do whatever you want. We're just going to let you throw it in front of us and then tackle you or and unfortunately, the Bengals couldn't even do that. But like, it's not like Joe Burrow was getting better in those moments of him handing off to Trayvon Williams. And then the excuse for it was because they want to, quote unquote, build momentum. So you get on a drive, you move the ball down the field, and then you opt to kick a field goal at the end of it while you're trying to build momentum. Like, none of that holds up. None of it makes sense. It's all coach cliche BS. And they look, there's a difference between, but, but, but it's, but it's not because, because he's not the only coach that does that. There are but, tons but, of them across the league that do that. It's BS when they do it too. The diff he, and here's the thing. There's a big difference between leaving a starting receiver in the game who you can decide not to throw over the middle to and get lit up versus leaving a quarterback in the game who it has a skeleton crew in front blocking for him and who is going to be in nothing but 
situations that could harm him if he's dropping back to pass. Like that makes no sense at all, especially when he was already limping around on that ankle. Like it's stupid. It's stupid. yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I, I know Zach's used the term and especially with Joe Mixon this week with Joe allegedly having the foot continue. And I hate to use that term because I'm just getting tired of the injury nonsense. Cause there's very little truth that comes out of any of it. Um, but it was the, sometimes you got to save the player from himself. And and if Joe is the one lobbying to stay in, there's a part of me that respects that. And as a head coach, you respect that, right? But as a head coach, you also pat him on the head and go, Hey man, I appreciate your opinion, but let, let, you're, you're done for the day. And yeah, it's called being the grown up. Let's live to play another day. And I'm, I'm kind of with you. I'm just, I'm just trying to give you a little both sides of this because everybody does the snap judgment of this is stupid. It's, you know it's why? What, it's because it's right or wrong. It's what they do. I wish people understood that's just the league, man. That's what these guys want to do. They want to start what they finish, right or wrong. And again, I'm with you. I think part of it is you got to occasionally go, you know what? Not going to happen. I'm going I'm to pat you on your head and we're done. You're done for the day. Give me your helmet and we're going to live the fight another day because you're going to have a lot more games in this league unless I get you killed in this circumstance. I'm with you. I get I, it. I mean, like but you're I saying, also, that's what they do. But we also have teams who, when they have nothing to play for at the end of the year because they've already clinched, they'll play a backup quarterback because they don't want that, to get hurt. Like that's, that's just a, that, being logical. But, but, but no, but that's also a big difference because the backup usually starts that game. It's a matter of, dude, they are big on who starts, finishes, I mean, right or wrong. Silly. That's, that's just what they do. I'm not telling you it's right. I'm just telling you that's what it is. There's a lot of things that aren't right. There's also a lot of things that are what it is. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'll, I'll give you that. Let, let me because we're talking about Joe Burrow limping around a little bit. Let's go back to that play right before the end of the first half where Bud Dupree pushed him near the sideline. Did you think it was a late hit? And what did you kind of see happen over there when he I guess he ran into the bench? Yeah, yeah, I thought he got shoved into the bench. To be honest with you, yeah, I mean, by, I, by Bud I, Dupree, I think. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah I, I, I mean, I, I thought that was pretty. I don't think it was blatantly dirty, but I thought it was blatantly a late hit, and um, that's happened a lot to Joe. And Joe doesn't seem to get that call, and I don't know why. I don't know if he doesn't sell it that he doesn't stay down for a while and be the diva that Ben can be. I honestly, I don't know the answer to that. Um, it is weird though, man. He's taken a bunch of hits that seem late or are late. He's gotten very little relief from that, especially in an the, era in, in, the, in the core of the game. But you're right. It's weird that this keeps happening, especially in an era where they are so quick to protect quarterbacks. And I understand he's a rookie and sometimes you got to earn that type of stuff. But he's also like one of those rookies who's getting blown up in the media and was a right. huge star coming in. He's kind of one of the young faces of the league right now. You would think, uh, you know, if they're going to protect guys, you would think you would be one that would get some. But yeah, I think Bengals fans locally say uh, it's no surprise to us. That's how it's been forever. And I think all no, fan bases I, feel that way. But, you know, you know, I, I, I think the hit on Hubbard on Roethlisberger by the rule is 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 roughing the passer. Yeah. But he even talked about it. he goes, listen, I could have made that dirtier than it was. And I don't think he was trying to be dirty. And I think that's that's always the intangible of that. Right. I mean, sometimes you just got to go at a guy the way you can go tackle a guy. Is there something dirty about chopping a guy's knees down. I mean, Eric Ebron got tackled that way in space. Did he not? And, and it sucked that he got, you know, he turned around. I think Jesse Bates cut his legs. It's a legal tackle. And Eric Ebron comes up holding. Why can't that be a legal tackle on the quarterback? I, I, look, the, the league anymore officiating wise, I'm so frustrated with watching that and pass interference. I, I watched a little bit of the end of Detroit today, Detroit and in, uh, in Washington. And there were a couple of pass interferences. So I'm thinking, this makes it hard to watch stop throwing flags on everything or be more consistent quarterback gets pushed out of bounds if it's Bengals, Steelers, Dolphins, Ravens, whomever call it call it consistently do it right every time 
Did you think that Joe, that little injury before halftime, did you think that affected him at all in the second half or, you know, he said he played terrible in the second half and obviously the stats weren't good. They, they didn't do a whole lot. What, what did you attribute that to? Uh, did you think it was the injury at all? Or did you think it was him just having a, a bad half? No, I, I think a little bit of both. Um, and he tried to downplay it, but uh, you know, the, the throw to T Higgins early in the second half, was that him being skittish? Was that him not being able to step into it the way he would have liked to have and should have? I mean, there, there's a lot to that too. Right. So yeah. I, I think there was some of that. Uh, did it affect the outcome of the game? Of course it did not, but I do think it affected his performance a little because there was a point in the first half, especially on that 90 yard drive, he got in a really nice rhythm and it felt like, all right, 12, seven in a rhythm, even though Pittsburgh came back and scored, it felt like, all right, he's still in a pretty good rhythm. He's making some good plays. They made that good drive down the field and he took the seat. Well, he didn't take the sack, but he got sacked on the either the second or third down that kind of took him out of field goal range. Um, and the Steelers went down and kicked the field goal. But yeah, then after that, it was like, he kind of went in a shell. Um, I think, I think it's a little, all of the above. I think you get hit like that and it hurts and you're just yeah. not right mechanically. And what was me and the day has been long and there's just a lot to it. Right. Yeah. Especially for a young guy. And that's, that's more how I took it as well. I think, you know, it's, I think he does a good job of putting these games behind him and yep. being a, a new guy the next day in practice. But anybody, whether you're a rookie or a veteran, when you're in the midst of a game like this, where it's just avalanching and you're clearly out of it, I think it's hard to, you know, stay fully locked in and not feel a little bit beat down and, and not start pressing a little bit and just saying, I, I got to get rid of the ball. So I don't get my brains mashed in here. Yeah. And, um, and, and, and that was kind of this game. I mean, from, from special teams to defense to offense, it just felt like an avalanche from honestly, from the point where they, they, they forced the early punt, Alex Erickson punted the, or fumbled the football. felt like, the avalanche was on at that point yeah special teams was crazy awful. to start the game I mean, crazy awful the whole game yeah well true but i mean you go the the fumbled punt you go the booted kickoff in the end zone where they just barely <laughs> fall on top of it at the very last second to get a touchback it was just I, insanely funny to watch no i kept thinking brandon wilson are you about to literally not be able to grab a football in time on a two inch, you know, in time to not have somebody come flying down and recover this for a touchdown uh, it was insane was, to watch insane it really was and then right after after that, you get a three and out and a false start on the punt. I mean, yes, it was yeah, just right. like the the first three plays of the game for the special teams were all just a disaster. It's as bad. And then, as they, and, and, and then they give up the long punt return in the second half. So, I mean, it was it yeah. was not a good game all the way around. Uh, real quick, back to the Joe Burrow thing, though, just because yes. I just where you were headed with that. Are we past the point of being concerned about Joe Burrow? And what I mean by that is like, does does the fact that, you know, he had that game against the Ravens and now the second half where he really struggled against the, a great Steelers defense, are we past the point of being like, what if he just doesn't have it against a, a really good defense and he can kind of p- pick on these these lesser teams, but he's not going to be that top tier type of guy? Or do you think he's already shown plenty and it's really more just about the team and maybe even the coaching staff around him? I think the jury's out a little bit in that regard. Um but I think it would be a case where if you could clearly point to him being the issue and he did miss some throws today, but I also saw some, some balls that were contested opportunities that guys caught in the, uh, in the last game against Tennessee, AJ green had at least one or two Auden yeah. Tate had a couple. I mean, and look, I don't need those guys to make those plays every time, but remember that was kind of the storyline coming out of there of, of the trust of Joe Burrow with his receivers and his receivers making plays for him on 50, 50 balls. Definitely. Yeah. 
didn't really see that today. So that's a little, little bit of both. So, I mean, if this becomes a trend in three years where he hasn't beat the Steelers or Ravens, then I think it's worth talking about. I think for right now, uh, I'm not there yet. Um, you know, if the Browns are a playoff team, he put up two pretty damn good performances against them. I don't know if they are, but they're certainly in the mix at this point. Right. So, and, and look, they're not on the caliber and par of the Baltimore Pittsburgh defenses, but right. But pretty, they can play. Pretty good de- yeah. play. Yeah. It's pretty good defense. Uh, yeah. So that's, I'm past the point of the, fe- like where this game would worry me. You know, I don't think this performance was indicative of the fact that he's going to struggle against good defenses or anything like that. I don't think, you know, we're to a point where you can't be concerned or you can't criticize his performances or anything sure. like that. He can, he still ha- he has to get better. He still has to prove a ton, but he's definitely shown me enough already that a game like this does not concern me at all. I still think, you know, he is, you're in as good of a spot as you could possibly be at the quarterback position. If you're the Bengals franchise, you mentioned the receivers not making plays and how, you know, in the, in the Tennessee game, that was a big thing. I felt like watching the Steelers game going up against a guy like Joe Hayden and some of these cornerbacks and a defense who's really just savvy and understands what they're doing. It showed the issue of the Bengals not having much speed at the receiver position. It felt like guys weren't getting open at all, even when the offensive line really gave Joe some nice pockets early in the game. Yeah, I mean, there was a couple times early in the game where like, damn, they're protecting the crap out of this guy. This is awesome. Yeah, Um, and Pittsburgh wasn't sending as much pressure, too. I mean, that's part of why they were able to cover so well. Maybe, but but still, you were still protecting. Um, Right, yeah, definitely. And, and I think some of that too was you're right. I think you know when you drop eight, you're going to easily keep things in front of you, and and I and and not worry about getting over the top. And I, I think it does come into play. Yeah, T hit the big big ball on that on that one double move, and that looked like as much a blown coverage. And it's not a knock. I mean, that happens in the league, and you better when a yeah. blown coverage happens, they bit on the play action hard. Yeah, you, you you better be able to do something with that. Um, and I thought he did a great job of that. But yeah, I mean, no, there's no question. I mean, there's there's a lack of speed at that position, and I think it really factors in. All right, looking ahead to what the Bengals have coming up, I am worried about this next four-game stretch where you have Washington, you have the Giants, you have the Dolphins, and you have the Cowboys. And the reason I'm worried about that is because I'm worried that the team's going to be really successful. And I'm worried that they're going to go three and one, and I'm worried that they're going to get that fool's gold of, like, one, it'll lower where they're drafting, which won't help, and two, it'll convince people people and probably even the front office that they're better in certain spots than they really are. And maybe it doesn't matter because they have so many holes that they're not going to be able to address them all in this offseason anyways. But to me, I am very concerned about the, them feeling like certain, you know, whether it's the secondary or the linebackers or the pass rush, or it's the coaching staff. I'm very concerned that a three and one stretch here will convince the the front office that, Things are moving in the right direction more than they really are. Um, that's that's fair, but um, what if it's a good three and one where you're like they're playing pretty well? And I, I go back to, I, I think that's the weird part to this whole thing. Pittsburgh and Baltimore are arguably two of the best three teams in the AFC. You're not on par with them. You're not even close to them. I agree, but that's the goal but, is to get but, close to but, that. Right, but hear me out. But you've proven you can play with Indy and Tennessee, which are pseudo playoff teams. I mean, they're right on the cusp of being playoffs. So if you can go three and one in this stretch and part of this stretch is going to be Miami. Now, maybe that's the one game you lose is to Miami. Um, I think you have to have the line of demarcation of, are you in the lower echelon still? Are you in the middle? Are you closer to the top? I think if you do that, 
I think you're far closer to the middle, and I think you do feel good. I don't think it gives you the fool's gold of not doing anything in the offseason and that you don't have to address needs. I think it gives you the optimism of we found some answers in certain places, and now let's fix the, the rest of the roster. I think that, that, that to me, instead of, oh, crap, now we need to re-overhaul, re-overhaul all this stuff again. That would be my fear. I think three and one, I think would be a great thing. I don't think it would be fool's gold. It would be, let's fix the parts of the roster we need to fix, and we know what those are. I mean, I just look at it like, I guess if if I saw, like these games we just saw against the Steelers and the Ravens, if they came out and they had an imaginative game plan and maybe it was, you know, once the Bengals defense got those first two stops, it's a seven to six game and the Bengals are winning for a brief period or something like that. I mean, if they ever had some momentum or if the special teams didn't, screw up their first three plays on the field. And it wasn't like the same old stuff you see from bad teams. And like to, to give a local example, I go back to when Luke fickle got here. Was that 2017 with that UC team? They went what four and eight that year Four and eight is first. Year. They weren't a good football team. And there were some blowout. Like I think South Florida was good that year. And they smacked them. I remember Zach Taylor um, was offensive coordinator, by the way. It's <laughs> great point. That is a fantastic point, but you saw things moving in the right direction. It was an organized team that looked like it did things the right way. Like you see people were over the moon because they saw what a competitive football team that was doing the things the right way looked like. I don't see that with this Bengals team right now. I don't see a team that looks like an organized team with savvy young leaders that get it and are, are moving them towards something. And they just are a few players away from, from really being there. I see a team that's just as lost as it ever was when they play the good teams. And that's what concerns me most. Yeah. But, but, but the, the, again, those teams are just simply more talented. It, again, there, there is literally five to seven teams in this league that can win the Super Bowl, And it may even be less three to five. Then there's another group of the Tennessee's and Indies of the world that are playoff caliber teams. Then there's another group that's fighting into that four and five ish range that, that, are good if they're healthy and and if they're not, you know, they're going to struggle. I mean, San Francisco's probably in that mix right there. And then there's the lower echelon. I think the Bengals are closer to the middle echelon to the bottom echelon. And they're yeah. not even close to the upper. They're just not. And and that's where it's, it, we didn't, nobody ever thought this year they were going to be close to that. Right. And I totally agree. And that's my point. I don't, again, I don't need them to win, but look like a competent team to start this game when your defense was hanging tough and you had a chance. Instead, you looked like an, a total disaster in all aspects other than your defense made a few plays and heck that might've been more big Ben in this offense's rust since they hadn't really been practicing together right, very much right. recently. And you couldn't take any advantage of that at all. To me, that's the type of stuff that really bothers me about this current coaching staff and Zach Taylor. It's, it's, it's not that you're getting smacked by a team that's much better than you. It's that you don't even have that look of a team that's, at least organized and, and doing things the right way. You look like a total lost Bengals of the nineties or two thousands franchise before Marvin Lewis took over. Yeah. I don't think it's that bad. I don't, I just don't, I, I they, cause they've been too competitive in almost every other game of the, in fact, they have been other than Baltimore and Pittsburgh. And I just think they're just talent wise, especially when you're down all those corners, you got no chance. You just have no chance. And, and yeah, offensively, they weren't down corners offensively, but you're still down some parts and you're down Joe Mixon and you're down some key guys and they're just not good enough depth wise to overcome that against good teams. They're just not. And they're not good, good enough to beat those good teams. And look, I, 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 I'm disappointed in the performance today. I was looking for this as a litmus test. I think to me, show me something over the next four weeks, get healthy 
And let's see what happens that Monday night game against Pittsburgh here. Let's show at that point if you've shown some incremental improvement. Then I think you got a fair test of it. Well, we'll have to see. I mean, I think these these four games are going to be very interesting and very telling for Zach Taylor one way or another. Yeah. Um, and I, I, don't, I don't know what what it all means in the end because I don't know that the Bengals actually would make a move this offseason regardless being who runs this organization. But I still think for the rest of the outside world trying to judge this thing, it'll definitely uh, make it a, a much easier process to to come to a final decision on whether you think Zach Taylor's the guy or not. No, and that's right. That's what we're going to find out. And I think these next four games are the witness test of that. I really do. All right. Anything else? That'll do it, my man. All right. Good stuff. For Rick Boring, I'm Richard Skinner. It's been the Skinny Podcast, the Bengals post-game edition.